Welcome to Nash DevCast, a podcast about software in the Nashville developer community. I'm Corey Elliott, and tonight we're with Jason Orendorf, Will Golden, and Lisa French. We'll be discussing code tests, interviewing practices, and Rust. So I have a question for you about Rust. So I know all the reasons why Rust is awesome when it comes to interfacing with things like Python. Um, but are there any reason, like for, for performance issues, yeah. right? It's great for solving performance issues. So are there any reasons why it's not good or any areas that are like, oh, that's a... Can yeah. we also talk about what Rust is? Yeah, like sure. I've, I've definitely heard about it, but um, I just, well, I can't say I just started a new job, but I've been pretty much in that stack for a while. So I'm yeah, like right. coming out for air to find out what's new and hot, so... Okay, so Rust is a um, Rust is a new programming language. It's, it was developed at Mozilla, and it was developed specifically to do something that we need. It's a language that's for writing code when, when like, every microsecond matters, and so you, you need like just the the highest performance thing. Something that's going to run very very fast on your CPU and use system resources efficiently. Right, um, so. When you have a task like that, uh, up till now, mainly you'd pick a language like C++, and the downside to that is that um, it's really, 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 really hard to write a C++ program that's not going to crash, right? Oh, crash hard. Why is that? Yeah, well, no, it's, um, so why is that? Because to write a program that's going to use your CPU as efficiently as possible, you have to use pointers, which is like this language feature that is like, it's basically just like a number that is a memory address, and everybody's everybody's disco dancing now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointering. I mentioned so like pointers. Oh, and like I see. The index fingers come out. <laughs> the garbage collection's amazing. We just wanted to disco. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so like. Basically, there's a ton of stuff that you can do in C++ or like a language with pointers that. Um, if you make the slightest mistake, you get what's called undefined behavior, which means the p- program doesn't necessarily like print an error message or throw an exception or any of the things you're used to from like Python or Java uh. or C sharp. <laughs> what it does instead is whatever it wants to. <laughs> like what like the consequences could be literally anything. It could it it, it could just continue working fine and quietly produce bad results. Um, or it could empty your bank account, or it could delete files. Like oh anything, literally anything could happen. And that is C++ in a nutshell, right? Well, I'm so, sold. Yeah, great. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a delightful language. Everybody should use it for everything. Um, no, the, the, so, so, yeah, that has some obvious downsides. And, like, the web browser that you use is written largely in C++. Okay? So that's terrifying, right? But C Sharp. C sharp has a garbage collector. Yeah, and 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 it has it, it has this thing it has this thing called like safety, right? Like so so like the worst you can do in C sharp, uh, unless you're using the language's unsafe features, is like make a mistake, get an exception, right? Um, and like we, we all we're all we're so used to exceptions, like that that's like the normal like worst case, right? Yeah, us. you get you get mad when they're not good enough. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, right, I mean, which you, is a great problem fault. to have from the perspective of a C++ programmer. Segfault's like the, like, 
high. That's like, how do you get a seg fault? Um, I've only gotten two. What is that? A seg fault. So to to me, like seg fault, that's like that, those are my people. Like somebody says seg fault, I know that they like they're they're talking about actually crashing hard, like so right. hard that you don't get an exception, you don't get an error message. Program just dies. Right. It's you like you up. screwed up. You screwed up so badly. I don't even know how you screwed up. <laughs> and it's even. usually like a language yeah. level. Like you know, it's not like uh, a higher level logic error or anything. It's usually like you used. You managed to use the language in a way that shouldn't be possible, <laughs> and and it did horrible, horrible things. <laughs> and that's like that's like my ultimate achievement. Is, <laughs> is that? Do you know you've done that when the browser freezes? And, no, and it'll, it'll just tell you it's seg faults. It's, it's more like, so I, you shouldn't be able to seg fault the browser no matter what you do. right? So like the browser is designed not to let you do that from JavaScript. But like say in Python, um, if, you, if you write a function that calls itself and then it calls itself and then it calls itself, right? Like the function just does nothing but call itself. Um, you'll get a you'll get an error. You'll get an exception that says something like runtime stack depth exceeded or something like that, right? But there's a setting you can tweak that you can change it. No, no, no. I like I know what I'm doing. I want you to allow me to call myself thirty thousand times. Um, <laughs> um, and Python's just like well, whatever. Like if you really know, but <laughs> but but if then if you actually do it, then it'll crash because the the I don't know, the, the process just isn't set up to actually really do that. And you'll get a seg fault, which is like, it's the operating system's way of saying, this program really messed up, and in order to prevent it from affecting other programs, I'm killing it. Like, we so can't you proceed. have, like, exception, fatal error, seg <laughs> fault. <laughs> right, exactly. <clears throat> yeah. And then you have my code. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah so, that's so, code that runs. So I'd like to get back like to somewhere remotely near the topic that like the question was about. Um, Rust is designed to have like uh, a safe mode where almost all the code you write is is safe and will never seg fault and doesn't use pointers in a way that can crash, right? But at the same time, the language is designed to be like super super efficient in terms of like how it uses memory and how it uses the CPU. That's the story. It's not an easy language to use. Like it takes, there's a learning curve. Like I think it probably takes like two years to get like fully like up and running and and confident and competent. So time would be a, a downside. You, you yeah yeah it takes it takes your time right, and then you get paid back in terms of like every time your program runs on the CPU. Um, right? No more Stack Overflows. Yeah. And so um, what is it written in? Rust is rather Rust compiler is written in Rust. Oh, sorry. So, uh, <laughs> you said it's its own language. Yeah. 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 I mean, originally it was, I guess it was written in, I guess it was written in C++, and they wrote a new compiler in Rust, and they so used the, the original compiler. compiler to, yeah. Original compiler was C++. They compiled enough of the language to build a compiler from the C++ compiler, compiler to then be able to write the full compiler in Rust. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> this is a, this is like a. I'm seg faulting is, right now. Yeah, but that's a totally like typical thing for a new programming language. Is like, they they write the first compiler in some other language, and they get just far enough along where they can write their own compiler in their new language, and it's kind of a milestone. So is uh, is this language written mostly for browsers or? 
It's where, for, where are people using yeah, it? Yeah, it's for any kind of systems programming, like any kind of programming where you really absolutely need performance. So that, what kind of thing would that be? So browsers for sure, right? Um, but also stuff like cryptography, that code has to, to run really, really fast because it underlies. It's like that everything else is built on top of things like yeah, I've got some code that, that I got unit test for right now that uses cryptography to you know generate some hashes <laughs> and when I my test run like it's those specific calls that are hitting crypto cryptographic functions you know all the other tests complete in like one millisecond five, five milliseconds these tastes like take like 200 and something milliseconds to like you know complete the, complete the task yeah yeah right sorry I mean, in, in, in yeah, encryption yeah. is very expensive so right so that that stuff has to be fast uh uh, video encoding and decoding has to be fast. Audio stuff code has to be has to be fast. Um, uh, and anything anything to do with images like loading and saving images or or manipulating images or like trying to recognize objects in images. Um, heavy duty science stuff like simulating the inside of a star, that kind of thing. Right. And scale, like, right? And, hmm? and scale. Yeah, right. So like any anything anything that anything where when you scale, the thing that you're bumping up against is it's just too slow rather than you saturate the network. That's a job for Rust. So it's more CPU-bound applications versus I.O.? Okay. Yeah, if your application is I.O.-bound, then like running more efficiently on the CPU doesn't really help you very much. So are there a lot of programmers out there with this, or is it relatively... It's, it's kind of new. Um, so... This goes back Full to the conversation we had a while back about becoming an expert on something. Like, since it's such a new language, you could like literally spend a little bit of time and be like the person in the language because nobody's really on it yet. Yeah, it it, it is it is. I there's a ton of interest in it. Um, I it's hard to gauge that kind of thing, right? I'm writing a book about Rust right now. Uh, it's going to be released soon, and it's called Programming Rust, and it's the O'Reilly you know book on Rust. Awesome. Um, Co-authoring that with uh, Jim Blandy, gonna be really cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's so. How would you get started with Rust? I mean, what's the what's the first steps for like for people that are maybe cursorily familiar with like a a compiled language or something? Uh, you sh oh, you should you should get my book because <laughs> it's in, it's, in uh, it's it's like in you can pre-order and get like the first seventeen chapters or something. Oh, right, so, so that's on right O'Reilly's website. Yeah, yeah, nice. Like you can have the chapters now. Notes. Yeah, right. It's like a oh, pre-release cool. pre still. Cool. I have their um, the Safari subscription. Yeah, you've got because it. the books change so fast, and they had like this half off sale last year. I was like, oh, I'm gonna jump on that. What is a Safari subscription? Um, it has all of these O'Reilly books, and then things as their uh, books as they're being updated, they'll upload things. They have videos from um, front end masters and all of the O'Reilly conferences. Um, they even have like some books on like social skills and you know all, all kinds of things yeah. <laughs> we all need that one. or like you know like um psychology like, things how do people or for nerds <laughs> humaning is hard so uh back to back to learning rust so you said pick up your book well okay so i think actually the main i've been thinking about this the main thing that um people have trouble with picking up rust is they have trouble picking up a project that they really want to do um, that actually requires Rust. Because if you pick up something that you already know how to do in a language that you're already super familiar with, right? Like, Rust is going to be like harder for you than that familiar language, and it's going to be um, it's going to be a lot more time consuming to actually like get get to where you need to go. Um, what you need to do is 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 pick something that you're like 
really actually not familiar with. Like, do some fancy image processing, um, uh, and you know that'll that'll I'll give you the impetus to actually like follow through, right? And and kind of push yourself to, to take take the time to, to pick it up. It's definitely the kind of language that like it rewards like a dedicated chunk of time. To you set know? aside two years. Yeah, don't, you don't need two years <laughs> just, just to get started to play around with it. How would you compare it to something like Go? Uh, it's 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 similar to Go. It is really it's more it is more aimed at like low level stuff. Go, Go for example, has a garbage collector, right? Um, and Rust famously does not have garbage collection at all, right? Like if you if you um, use some memory for something, you know you basically the language always knows when exactly how long you'll be using that memory so it can clean up for you instead of garbage collection which is well sometime down the road we'll take care of that well, right garbage collection <laughs> is super complicated it is really complicated yeah like like <laughs> holy crap complicated yeah and it's it's hard it's super convenient and then if you ever have trouble with it at all it's kind of hopeless to right i really like it when it. somebody else does garbage collection for mm -hmm. me yeah, both uh, in I the worked. browser and yeah, right, <laughs> at right. home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the advantages of having kids. So congratulations, Rodney, on uh, having a little um, garbage. Yeah, having, Gar having <laughs> garbage future collect. garbage. No, they generate garbage <laughs> first, right? <laughs> but then eventually they take out the garbage. I mean, that's where you're trying to get to. In their it's like a sentient AI, like you know. <laughs> mine are almost in their <laughs> teens, and so far there has been no garbage collection. Only pointers. <laughs> Only null reference pointers. <laughs> I mean, that reminds me, I was watching, I think I might have told this story on the podcast already, but I was watching X-Files whenever it came back out uh, last summer, I think. And I watched, I went back and watched all the old ones. And there was like this uh, one where it's like, there's a creature that was like in the sewer and he, he could like squeeze through like tiny little cracks in walls and stuff and get into buildings. And I was so scared I would not take the trash out to the street. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing it. It's not daylight. I'm not, I'm not. Wife comes down. She's like, why, are, why is all the trash bags in the, in the, in the garage? <laughs> like, Listen, long story. I couldn't, I couldn't take the trash. Monsters. <laughs> yeah. Do you also only, well, yeah, you only ever watch TV like really late at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, it's like at 11 o'clock. So I'm just trying to like, you know, pass out and then. Nope. Yeah, that, that was one of those nights where you're up to like 3 a.m. Like kind of you hear cracks and creaks <laughs> and you're like. Oh, that's why I only pretty much only watch Star Trek. Yeah, it's we were talking about this before. It Star always ends happy. That's right. Have you seen this new show on Netflix called The Travelers? Yeah, mm -hmm. I've I've kind of watched some of it. I didn't get sucked in. I don't know if I made it all the way through. I only watched the first. I watched the first episode last last night. Um, my Netflix is like this shameful walk through all of the programs that I've started and never finished. <laughs> it's like the, it's the like, video it's like graveyard. A, it's like a like concrete measurement of your attention span. Right, and then like, seven minutes in, next. Finally, Netflix has given up, and I don't know what its <laughs> algorithm thinks of me, uh, but it pretty much only suggests things like Spock documentaries because that's what I get. <laughs> All you it seem really to wants me to watch that. Yeah. <laughs> so no, you know what really, really wants day? you to watch that. I realized that uh, that I had maybe hit internet rock bottom when Facebook ads, which are really brilliant, because 
Sometimes they tell me things before I know them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Facebook gave me an ad that's like, there are healthy ways to fill the void in your life. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, that 12 episode Star Trek binge is <laughs> being reflected on my Facebook. I have a theory that Facebook is like controlling and manipulating my thought patterns to, to like, and they serve me ads after the fact. So like I'm thinking about like I'm thinking about stuff and all of a sudden I have an ad related to it. You know, Wait, like, it's creepy. Or like I said something to my wife I, I, I told her before I said, "Hey, we should we should go camping soon." And all of a sudden I got tent ads on my, oh my Facebook God. timeline. Do you, do you think they're listening? Probably. <laughs> Facebook, are you listening? Well, Facebook They made you say that. It's not <laughs> I'd like to give Facebook the middle finger for telling me that I have <laughs> they probably have it like hooked up to your your Visa debit card, and they said, "Man, Will just bought twelve Swiss cake rolls at the gas station yesterday," <laughs> which I did. Well, it happened right after I took a, a a week off around Christmas time, and I binge watched forty eight hours of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so like the, I have this one on my phone right, right here. I, I sent this to my wife. It's a pillow for acid reflux. And I that like 45 minutes before that, I said, "Man, I have my 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 throat's burning from this pasta or whatever we just had. <laughs> like I have an acid reflux ad." You, and you have the screenshot there. Yeah, I took a screenshot of it. Okay, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> so what else? I <laughs> I've got, I mean, I've got probably uh, half a dozen examples in here. That's hilarious. I tried to take a picture later of that ad, and I couldn't find it again. It, it did it, like, three times or four <laughs> times, too. <laughs> Finally, I was like... So you filled the void. <laughs> Clearly, I filled the void, but I just don't know what I filled it with. Like, chocolate, maybe? I would love to work at some of these companies to, like, you know... See all the stuff that's under there, like in their algorithms and stuff like that. I don't know. I kind of want to remain agnostic. You know, I don't want to know Google. So there's a way you can check and see what Google thinks of you, right? And it's, there is. Yeah. Uh, and for a while, it thought that I was a 13 to 18 year old boy. <laughs> and uh, I can imagine that's probably because my searches were female celebrities and Minecraft hacks. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, these things, because they have to base it on something, right? So they're like, Minecraft, like, that's, you know. I get really yeah. upset, like, so I have a new Mac from work, and it's got a, um, a mouse pad that's bigger than a Pop-Tart. We took a Pop-Tart and measured it, so, like, it's literally bigger than a Pop-Tart. But it's very sensitive and very huge, and I accidentally click on things all the time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you're screwing up my analytics. Don't, I would never <laughs> click on that. I take it back. <laughs> well, do you have another example? Is it another thing? Yeah, well, this, this one's, <laughs> I was getting big and tall ads for size 6L pants on Facebook. What? what? <laughs> so what? is that? It was tracking your host. Do they, they know? My, they saw, <laughs> do they know your size and stuff? I don't think so. I mean, I'm definitely not a six XL. I'm, I'm about a 30, 36 in the waist. I don't know how y'all do, y'all men's, <laughs> with your with your like standardized sizing and stuff like that. Is it not standardized? No, oh, no. no. Women's is shame sizing. Really? Yeah. It varies between all the different stores. Like if you go to Abercrombie. Like, it's not like based on inches. It's based on 
No. It's based on some number that they make up. Yeah, right. Like what's what's a four at one place could be a twelve at another. Mm-hmm. I just wear man pants. Why would they do that? Yeah, right. I don't know. But wouldn't I, it make sense to be like I, you measure your waist and it says I'm a size twenty eight, and then all then you just go buy size twenty eight pants. But then girls couldn't be zeros. <laughs> I want to be a ten. <laughs> I've always wondered how people can be a size zero. I mean, like. That'd be like, when I go home yeah. at night, I wear a size zero. <laughs> There's no pants. <laughs> <laughs> These are my size zero pants. <laughs> my size zero That's pants what I'm are wearing my, right now. My, my cut-off sweatpant shorts that I wear. <laughs> I really slum it. Hey, Corey, I have a quick question about Strong Loop. You mean our sponsor, Strong Loop? The ones that generously pay for our bandwidth costs and domain names and microphones and fruit snacks? Yeah, that's Strong Loop. Do we really have fruit snacks? Sadly, no. Oh, yeah, well, I was just wondering, what does Strong Loop do? Let's ask Will. Hello? We were wondering, what does Strong Loop actually do? You mean our generous sponsor, Strong Loop? Yeah. Uh, they, uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Did we wake you up? No. No, Strong Loop makes it easy to create any kind of web service using Node.js. But it seems like a web service is already pretty easy. It's like two lines of code, isn't it? Uh, well, no, but if your web service has data and you have to set up a database, and then you have to write a bunch of code to talk to the database and do gets and posts, it adds up, right? If you write yourself from scratch, then you have to decide how to deploy it and how to secure it and everything else. All that takes code and time, when what you really want to do is focus on your app, not how to deploy your app. Right. Or how to insert a row in a table. Right. Or backups. So if I need a CRUD app and I just wanted to find a schema and instantly have a web service up and running? That's something Strongloop can do. Or I want to take an existing system and make it available as a web service. Yeah. They have their own cloud, too, but that's optional. Oh, that seems useful. Yeah, but boring. That's why they make the big bucks, though. They do the boring parts. That's the secret. Is that really the secret? I don't know. Okay, so why is it called Strong Loop? It's not. What? IBM bought them. It's now called IBM API Connect. That's even more boring. I guess that's why IBM makes the big bucks. It's really... The secret. IBM API Connect. They do the boring parts of API development, deployment, security, monitoring, and all that stuff so you can focus on your app. And they pay for the Motscave. Thanks, IBM API Connect. I thought I was brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, like, lots of us have just recently gotten jobs or are in positions to hire people. And so we've been having some discussions around, like, hiring practices. And, um... And I was wondering, I've never asked to see anybody's code base, right? But most places ask to see at least a code sample of mine or take a code test. And I was wondering, what what would the response be if you said, hey, you have my code sample, can I see your code? Um, and if that's ever... I don't know, a standard that we would want to have or like, because there is a point, right, where your code would have to be architected well enough, cohesive enough, usable enough that people would want to work with it, right? Um, 
You'd have to like keep a branch somewhere that has all your tech debt hidden. What? Why is this repo just have initial commit on it? I don't understand. <laughs> it's all crispy clean. <laughs> I get branch when it was pretty. Wow. I've never, I've done a lot of interviews and never had anybody ask that. Right. I've never, I've never even thought to ask that. I've thought about it because, you know, I mean, that's where you're going to spend the majority of your day. Exactly. And you want to know what you're getting into. You look at all other aspects of a company. Um, but, I mean, when I'm interviewing, I I never feel in a position of power. Like, right. um, I don't know if that'll ever come to me, you know, eventually. But I always feel like I'm asking for something and I'm putting them out for, you know, I'm taking up their time and, I have to remind myself, like, you know, they need something, I need something. This is an exchange. Um, you know, so so it's hard to ask for yeah, that it, kind of thing. Because it's weirdly hard. It's, like, weirdly hard to, to ask anything that's going to make you stand out as, like, asking an unusual thing. Especially right? when you're, like, either a woman or a person of color or a queer person or, you know, whatever, already standing out visibly different. Sometimes you're like, I don't, I mean, even if it's, like, I've never encountered a company in town that I have ever interviewed with that has ever had any issue whatsoever with that. But that's still like I have. <laughs> we all know that story. I think. I think I like tell it all the time. That time that they they said they wanted a man for the position. Oh my god! Um, I would go and snap somebody's neck. So. <laughs> <laughs> you want a man? What are you doing? <laughs> but instead, you're like, thanks for your time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's. I interviewed Appalling. somewhere that it's like illegal. served me. And highly, yeah, we talked. We talked about this. I remember now. We talked yeah, about it. I, yeah, I had no recourse or anything. Um, but yeah, you feel like you're already asking for them to make a place and be uncomfortable with this different thing that's coming in, and um, especially when you're the first, you right. know. And you feel it's like, not something that anybody ever asks. So you feel I, like know, you, I think I think it could signal something though. Like you know, you, you mentioned you don't feel like you're in a place of power, but if you did ask somebody. It would signal that you're, you know, this is a negotiation. This is a, you know, uh, I don't know the word. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, like more the, of a, a cooperative, like, and in negotiation. And a really reasonable you know? way, too, yeah. right? Like, it's just such a reasonable question, it seems like to me. You would think so. But, um, you know, sometimes peop when people aren't used to seeing um, a person act a certain way and be assertive, it can come off as, like, you know, it's, there's all these studies about women when they're assertive or... Sure. Um, right. Instead of assertive, they're bossy or managing yeah. or... And you wonder, like, will this will this get me off on the wrong foot starting off or, you know, shape my impression? Totally. Yeah. Um, I, could, I mean... I mean, it's hard enough to ask for, like, the whole money discussion and all of that. Um, <clears throat> for me, it's almost like curiosity, right? Like, I am super curious just by nature and... I, I would be very interested just to look at a code base because I feel like it reflects um, whose law is it that says that the organization of the company is reflected in the code base? It would be so awesome if I knew that. The, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right, like there is a... It's true. Like, right, it is. And so I think that it's it's a very telling thing and there's like a, a certain amount of curiosity um, with any place that you interview, you know, like... They put on their company face. You put on your company face. But, you know, what's... 
Then you get down to business with the code. I think there's the a, code. a yeah. couple of points, though, to it. You know, I, Personally, as a hiring manager, I would have any issue with it at all. I think it would be really cool to do it. Uh, I, but I could see where people would be like, you know, we don't want to show you a proprietary things, but also just like there, it may be not super great code that they're proud of, and they don't want to scare you off. You so know, they want to get you locked in. I, and this was my. <laughs> this is also my response. As when you when you said when you said that is, I, I thought, well, what? How much actually does our code say about us? And like, how 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 much can you really judge? Right, <laughs> right. I think that. Code? I think there's definitely a story there, but the story yeah. could be that it's a history know, of rapid growth and success, or it's the story of or dictation from a certain department, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> of yeah, priorities, right? right. Or somebody who's not there anymore. Or, um, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't even want to see code. I want to see your commit log. Like, just let me see <laughs> how well are the commit commit messages, because that that's a really in- indicative of like how fast people are moving, and you know. Yeah. Something that will definitely doing. tell you a story is like what the tests are like, what the test coverage is like. Where's um, your test? Uh, no te- no what's your worst <laughs> commit message? I had one that was, uh, you know, just where you hold the shift key and you just go over all the secondary uh, expletive <laughs> letters. And this was at, <laughs> this was at a very, uh, um, how do you say, uh, <clears throat> buttoned up company. Um, <laughs> and but that it felt so good. It felt really <laughs> just, good. Just type just like had it for you know <laughs> several months, and it just felt, so when, felt good to ship that. Still does. <laughs> <laughs> I have one that was uh, big changes, and the the next one was really big changes. <laughs> Lots of stuff. Lots yeah. of stuff going on. It was very clear. That was like way early days before <laughs> I realized the importance of having So I was actually on an interview not, not too long ago, and um, I actually did get to sit down with an engineer and look at their code, but it just happened organically. I didn't ask to see it or anything. They were, they were, they were like, hey, you want to come up and look at, look at some stuff, see what we got going on? And like they kind of showed me the product and showed me the you know different things that they were working on. I was like, oh, that's cool. And they're like, you want to see the code? And I was like, yeah, yeah let's see it. And we we dug through it. And I was there for a good hour and a half, and it was really cool. I mean, um, oh, wow. I don't know. You I don't know this exact situation. Yeah, you it, didn't was, have to it ask. Was, was this exact situation, but I didn't have to ask. So I wonder how weird it would have been if I was like, hey, can I see your code? You know, like it, I guess it really depends mm-hmm. on the type of interview that you're on. If it's more of a like some of the most, the, some of my favorite interviews that I've that I have been on or have tried to give are have been more like casual conversations where we're gonna go to get coffee, we're gonna go go get a bite to eat because I'm a foodie, um, and just kind of talk and just really kind of connect as people, and not just like you know a manager and a, and a, and a potential employee, and uh, get that really that, get that personal connection made, and then. Okay, cool. If it's going to work, we can go into do do more technical skill assessment or more, um, you know, traditional things. So, like, if you if you can get that, um, I don't know, the that personal connection there, you could probably make someone feel comfortable enough where they would feel like they're it's okay to ask. Especially if you're talking about the, if you you can ask questions around the code base. That's and say, right. You know how how's your test coverage or what what, is, what does it look like to to ship code every day? Uh, you know how does it, the merge process work? When does mm-hmm. things go up to QA? Things like that. What are your <clears throat> what are your architectural principles? Yeah, yeah, and so like 
you you get excited about that. They're telling you that it sounds good or so, or it sounds bad, right? Either one. If it sounds bad, don't even ask, right? Just walk away if, if you if you can afford to not have a job. Or <laughs> if you're you know if you're already employed and you're just kind of curious, whatever. But yeah. I got you know, told but, they wanted a man, and I still had to go forward with it. Oh, I, I would have to jump flipped the that. table and walked out. Such as a junior developer <sighs> life. So bogus. Um, what you're saying about the uh, you know the the personal connection and that kind of interview. Um, I will say, I like, I understand the, the idea behind it and I think it's valuable. Um, I've had an interview before where they were like, let's go get drinks. And, um, you know, it, like the first interview and it's kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know who to look for in the right. bar. Um, so it can kind of be like some, you know, extra nervous thing, especially if it's the first. Yeah, I would, I would definitely say stick to the daytime stuff. Don't do the yeah, yeah, after yeah. hours drinking thing. I mean, if that's your thing, cool. But I personally just get super anxious about even mm-hmm. doing that stuff because, like, you know, I don't want to knock three back and all of a sudden I'm, you know, dropping yeah. dropping f bombs in, in an interview. <laughs> right. and, I, and I've been on a lot of interviews and that only happened once, but I was just like, um, coffee. <laughs> yeah. Um, much better. I don't even drink coffee. Yeah, I don't. I don't drink coffee. I don't drink <laughs> I alcohol. I don't do fluids. I, I, <laughs> I don't. I don't love eating in front of people either. <laughs> just get a big plate of chicken wings. And you're just like, <laughs> I know, and it's messy food. Oh, this is one of my favorite commit messages. <laughs> okay. It says working version. Okay, it actually really works this time. I promise. That's great. <laughs> That was while I was in school, so <laughs> not quite as important, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. I think there's always stuff you can be learning about that. Um, like I, I just started Stratasan. Uh, it's been about five months, and I, I just um, did you listen to the ad on the podcast for the for the position? Yeah, that's how I. That's how I. Um, Dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in this room. You're recording the podcast. I'm like, huh. I'll check that out. And the job that they were advertising was like for senior, which I'm not. Um, but then they they were thinking of hiring uh, a mid level, and so I got to you know hear about that kind of before that even got posted because I heard heard it that's here like, first. That's like a house going on the market before you know, <laughs> like yeah. a realtor jumping on a house. It's kind of cool. Made me feel pretty cool. That's sweet. Um, they they uh, uh, Brian Daly shared this thing about commit messages and just uh, how this pattern that you can follow where it's like as if you think um, think of it as saying this code will blank and so you have an action verb like fix you know whatever or add and whatever. present tense yeah present tense um, I used to always do like committing you know and like sentences and things like that and so it was just I was like oh yeah I like that and everyone does it, so it you know makes it easy to follow. Yeah, I know. And you know, using Git, you're supposed to like the first line of your commit message is supposed to be this is like this really constrained like it's supposed to be about like 40 characters or something. It's really really short. Um, and I always run up against the limit because I always just want to like type and type. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, back back to the question though. Um, I wonder how that would like if that became like just hypothetically an alternate universe that became the norm where people said let me see the code or all right now it's time to show the code like it's just part of the standard yeah. right? just whatever like right. that's just the thing that happens now how that would influence how people write code and how would it influence how people manage 
tech debt and just a little bit of like this will be this right. much more public this many more people well, will see that so another thing without that was, context right. <laughs> another thing that it made me think of is so if you are working at um some kind of a startup and another company acquires your company do they yep. evaluate your code base I mean, I guess it depends on whether they're going to use it or if they're just going to shelf it. Yeah, I think, I mean, they think they have to because they have to, like, um, you know, evaluate what the assets are because it's actually IP. Right? So if it's acceptable for a company level to do it, then I think that it would probably. Yeah, that's totally reasonable. Like like I said, it just sounds like a really reasonable question, especially if you lead in with questions like, so, like, what's your code base? Like, how big is it? You know, like, how many people do you have working on it? And ideally after a few minutes of that the interviewer will just say oh do you want to just, just want to take a look come over here you know, like come yeah. over to this side of the table let's take a look together and then you're in a great place right like that's right. wonderful yeah. and, if, ideal and if they're excited about their code base they're going to want to show it to you anyways right they're you know hopefully they're going to be like yeah let's oh i was working on this thing the other day let me show you it you know if, if you if you can get in the mindset of having a conversation with someone versus just like this transactional <laughs> tell me about you're you judging you mine me. i want to judge yours right exactly and I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> and I think that it shows an interest, a, a sincere interest in uh, wanting to know what you're getting into, and I think that's really valuable. People talk about um, programmers leaving jobs really quickly for a variety of reasons, and I, I personally, I'm a researcher. I want to know as much as I can before going into something so that I can really just hit the ground running and and also not run into things I wasn't expecting and just have a really good sense of um, how things are going to go. Well, I, uh, was it Corey that mentioned Code Challenge earlier? Right, yeah, I've taken several Code yeah, Challenges. Yeah, so, I mean, I think Stratascent even does this, where they yeah. actually do the, a co- like, send a Code Challenge based off of their their own code base. So you actually would get access to the code base and pull a ticket down that's, like, in the backlog yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of those. That I haven't actually done one that's in somebody's actual code base. Um, yeah, for Stratasan, they um, they gave me an actual need that they had, a small bug. Um, they told me they thought it would take about 10 hours. Um, and I, um, they, I believe they set up an instance for me of, on the code base, and so I just SSH'd in and... Um, I, before that, I assigned um, a non-disclosure agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, they paid me for my time, That's awesome. which is like more than I could have asked. Just keep going on interviews. You know, they're like, they're like, they're like, and we're gonna pay you for your time. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. I'm not gonna talk you out of that. It's very new for me, but uh, that's, awesome. that's what you want to do, you know. And they, they asked me my hourly rate, and they're like, yeah, that's good, which I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, so then I Just tell me when out. to stop writing zeros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. I was like, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you on that one. I, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and it was great because I was adding value for them. I got to see, you know, their code base. Um, I was really impressed with how organized it was, and I got to learn a lot. And what was great was I was working on this and uh, learning things that I could, you know. When I started day one, I had already contributed to the code base, and I was able to, um, you know, I was familiar with one part of the app, and I could, you know, just move quicker 
having already done that. So I thought I thought it was awesome, you know. I I think that it would be really great if that's something that people would start doing, particularly people that have um, that are, you know aren't disadvantaged in other ways. Um, you know, like people asking about maternity and paternity policies, even if they don't plan to have kids, you know, um, asking for the diversity numbers, even if you're not an underrepresented group um, or, you know, aren't underrepresented in several ways and feel like you're in a safe position to ask that, you know, because I think those things really feed into the job and that would be really valuable. And it's hard when you're when you need those things to ask for them. That could because. be something really cool to add to the um, the Nashdev Jobs uh, Slack bot and the, the API that we built to a- ask those kind of questions like, what, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I really your, spent some time to <laughs> revamp that. It's kind of bare bones right now. But. What, are your, um, what are your trans benefits? What are your same-sex benefit? Yeah. you know, um, things like that. Because I, for whatever reason, whenever you need something or people think that you, you have a dog in the fight or whatever they say, mm-hmm. Um, it's almost it's almost outing yourself in a way yeah and for whatever reason it discredits you it's like well of course you'd be concerned about that or I don't really understand why it is but it's just it's less credible my least favorite type of interview is the live coding interview because never have I ever sat behind my computer and had somebody breathe down my shoulder for 30 minutes going yeah, but when are you gonna fix this? What about th- <laughs> what about this? Or or at your like job when you finally right, get yeah, in there? Right, like yeah, like in the real world, out in the wild, I have never had somebody sit there and just like oh, just you wait, <laughs> judge me while I'm coding uh, for a very short period of time and a maybe a language I haven't used in years or yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, that's always like the ones that I was, I, I worked at a company that administered a code test, a live live code test, and I designed that test myself and I hated it and the, like the, the reason that I hated it is because it was like the only part of our interview process that was like objective because it was like it was graded on you know like how much you got done and like did you use com- there was like a little r- test rubric right whatever like you can get a grade um, and as a result of it being a number it's like for some reason, everybody in the company like treats that as being super important, right? And it, it just like it drove me crazy because I, 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 I finally like suggested that they stop using it, um, but it was too late. <laughs> well, I just get that like deer in the headlights feeling, right? Like I am never gonna perform well in one of those situations. Uh, right. Yeah. Right. It's it's a totally artificial like thing. Well, like it doesn't in the real world, I personally would just like if I if I have a problem or a task that I want to spend some time on, either I'm going to do it collaboratively with with a bunch of people, and we're kind of throwing ideas out and we're whiteboarding the ideas. I'm not on on pressure under pressure of like f- right. solving the whole thing all by myself all at once, right? Or if it's flipped, where I am under that pressure, I'm going to kind of go into my my you know quiet space and think about it and, and draw a couple of sketches out and have some time to actually evaluate like what Ooh, you know like that actually that actually is one interesting thing that came out of this this horrible practice right is that <laughs> the candidates who decided they were going to do some upfront like stop think understand the problem talk about it design a solution those people got done with it 
and the people who just like dived in and just started typing, you know, away. typing away, which is exactly what I would do, um, <laughs> you know, would get halfway done. It's and, like the and panic time would run out. Oh, and that's it, like, yeah. Having someone watch me type, I'm like off by three every time. It's like, <laughs> every time. It's like my, it's like Dvorak with like, I'm on QWERTY, you know, it's like. I think it's like people are watching you and they're looking for action. And if you're not, yeah. you know, moving your hands and, you know, they're seeing a product come out and um, that can be hard. And I know people say to talk through your thoughts. That's still hard to do. Like, and it, like it's so. Yeah, exactly. And it's and much harder the less confident you are. So really what we were doing is we're selecting for people who had the confidence to to take their time and and, you know. I mean, it measures something, but it isn't, it's not what we were trying to measure. Well, and then there are different types of people, you know, like yeah. I'm a thinker and I will sit there and I will sort it all out in my brain. And then when I finally get to the point where I'm, you know, solving it, it's like, boom, and I can, you know, knock it out really fast. But I have to have, you know, that moment to reflect on how I want to approach it, what the benefits are, what, the, and that's... Uh, I don't know. So it, that's what makes that process intimidating is I feel like I have been like robbed of my <laughs> my time to 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 ruminate over right. it. Yeah, I'm, I'm more of a sketcher, right? I'll I'll, I'll stub something out yeah. and re- and refine. It's almost mm-hmm. like almost like a sculpting a, a statue, right? You kind of get the the broad strokes and then you go in and and, and clean it up. And um it's really it's really difficult to do that kind of approach on a whiteboard or even just in person when someone's like like you said breathing down your neck. I mean, yeah, I mean it would it, work it, if it, someone like got you in a room and says, "Well, here's your code challenge. We're gonna come back in an hour." Right. That's and a like you just kind you can just kind of just do your normal workflow. I, I, you know, would you, do you pull up Google right? Like because yeah. you can't remember the uh, you know parameter order of, of some built-in or whatever, yeah. right? You know, like <laughs> right, right. using PHP or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, right. I have very little committed to muscle memory. Right. Well, it was Einstein so who was like, don't commit to memory what you can look up in a good book or something. <laughs> right. Right. Huh. Which is everything now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Google's my best friend. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I mean, like, are you in a coding interview and you pull up Google to remember how to, like, do some arbitrary thing that you just don't do all the time, right? Yeah, and does or, that like, take points regex, off? You know, like, look yeah. up the... Hopefully I, I'm there's not... Regular oh, expressions. I have to look at that every that's time. Every time I have interview. to look it up. Well, we and, would judge you on your regex. And I feel oh, like God. it's very different. I would never be employed again I if know. I had to <laughs> my regex. Or I'd start studying it really yeah. hard. If, they just, if somebody just walks in and writes a regex on the board. It's and like, like table and, flip. and that's it. That's it. I'm like. All right. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> it's nice knowing um, you. Bye. I'm done. Even, even still, if you do all of these things well, I feel like there's still bias that can come in that's like, Oh, but they did this because maybe they had seen the problem before, or right. uh, they worked with that language at their last job and solved similar problems, or you know, there's, or it could be like, oh well, I mean, they didn't get it, but you know, I'm sure they have great potential, you know. Sure, yeah. So bias, bias either way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like all this is in the context of interviewing, which is like not science. It's, it's all yeah, it's so hard. Yeah. Well, the other flip side of that is. Um, you also have the bias of, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Oh, right? Like when you have people God, like, cause yes. and I, I, so I, 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 where I'm at right now, I'll send the code review into a channel and I have the whole team look at it. And every, every one of like, th- you know, three out of the seven people that are reviewing it will say, looks great. And then the other, the other people remaining will be like, 
uh, he didn't or he or she didn't do this this thing and it's it's you know they didn't use map when they could have used you know oh right things like that like more terse or whatever yeah, like, well, yeah. it's perfectly readable it might not be whatever you know it's it's but it's style things right and so the, those things are subjective I'm like well does it work does the test pass can you read it would you the ultimate question is would you mind working with this person if this is the kind of code they produce so I the, the tests that I send out are oh sorry go ahead no go ahead I was gonna say that the test that I've been sending out recently is just super simple cones right like just yeah, like yeah. very basic problems that you can get you can get knocked out in 15 20 minutes or whatever and depending on your experience it could be maybe up to an hour or something but something that's just like it's not super complex but it gives you a lot of insight in how someone codes how they structure things how they uh, comment things um, and also just their like do they more do, is it more of a procedural approach is it more functional is it more imperative you know like all that so like it's uh you can get a lot of little nuggets out of just like computing a hamming distance you know so what you were saying about uh, different ways of doing things I was in an interview once where I was going over the code I wrote and they were like no uh well, okay, yeah, I guess that works. You know, and, like, it just, like, it wasn't their way of doing things. And, like, I guess that works. It's like, that doesn't make me feel great about how this is going. Well, I guess you can do that if you were, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh that's God. not how the ninja rock stars do it. <laughs> so I think. Well, I, you don't use RxJS yet? What? <laughs> or whatever the new hotness is? I don't know. You. Um, so I, I think it's important to, you know, it would be good to be super explicit about how you're going to judge someone so that you can be aware of like, you know, and you can call someone there and being like, yeah, but is that your personal preference or is that, you know, acceptable for this? Right. Well, and different companies have completely different preferences. And so what's important to one may not be important at all to the other. And I feel like that's yeah. maybe uh, that maybe it's important to have some kind of linter or style guide present in your code test, you know, so that you can follow oh. those conventions. Huh. I think. Whenever I do a, a code test that's like, here's a problem, do the thing, um, and don't give a whole lot of input, I kind of enjoy those because I feel like it gives me the opportunity to um, solve it in a way that I would normally solve it and focus on the things that are important to me. Like, I, I'm big on modularity and reusability and architecture, and you know, like, so uh, I, I feel like in the absence of any influence from the outside world, I want my the code that I am writing to reflect what's important to me so that they can look at it and they can say, oh, you know, that's cool, but we don't really care about that. Or, yeah, that's the kind of thing that we're interested in. You know, it gives them a really good idea of, like, well, you had free reign, you could do whatever you want, and this is what you emphasized. Hmm. That's a good point. What, what I've been sending out is like it's a, you know, it, uh, it has unit tests already built in. So you basically just have to like in a file, write the functions or whatever, and then it yep. it runs the test. So yeah. you know if you did if you passed or failed, right? For the most part, in terms of like the code, the, if the code's up to snuff. I think we should. I think we should have. I think we should have Will do a programming test right now. <laughs> Let's, do right. It. Let's do it. And we'll breathe down your neck. And yeah, a we'll, we'll all be stand behind you and look over your shoulder and tell you what you're doing wrong. Oh my god! While, while we're doing it, I'm already starting and to then sweat. And we'll grade you at the end. We'll ten. just have you compute a little hamming distance. All right, let's do it's it. Not, uh, in regex. I've, I've seen enough of only regexes. <laughs> oh man, just regex. I, I give up. 
I got 99 problems, so I use regex. Now I have 125. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh. I kind of like a coding test that um, where they give you something and something's wrong or, you know, you need to tweak something just like a bug mm-hmm. um, because especially with the live coding things, because I will forget everything I know. Like my brain goes blank. It's as blank as the whiteboard. I don't know how to program. <laughs> I Yeah, I don't feel grounded. There's nothing to hang on to. I'm just falling into the abyss and... When I have something like that, I'm like, oh, like, I know where I'm at. Like, but it, it's it's bizarre. Well, uh, for my current job, um, so I actually, spoiler, got the job. Um, I decided to take the code test in a language that I didn't know. And and there was a time limit, right? So, so like, I start out and I'm like, oh, you know, this is cool. I, I can do this. This is fine. It's fine. And then, you know, like, two hours into it, it's like... What have I done? My poor life choices. I don't know this language. Why, God, why? So, uh, but, you know, and it ended up fine, and it was totally fine. But, like, man, I would highly recommend never taking a code test in a language you don't know. Yeah, my You're the only person I know that would make that decision. Right, and, <laughs> and I sure don't that. know why I did, but the second that I made that choice, it was like, nope, no turning back. This is how we're doing it. You're right, right. Actually, <laughs> I said JavaScript. I meant Java. Right. <laughs> mine, mine for Stratascent kind of felt like it was a language I didn't know because where I was at before, it was, uh, you know, we didn't write a lot of JavaScript. It was super um, behind the times. I mean, things move so fast, it doesn't take much to be behind the times. Um, so there were all kinds of things that react and everything that goes with it, all the libraries underneath that I didn't know. So it felt like I also yeah. was in something. I didn't know where things were coming right. from. Because, yeah, and then I also was like, what have I done? Like, this is going to be a really embarrassing email I'm going to have to write. And then, like, right at the last hour, I got it. And I was like, right. thank you. Well, I was just glad there was nobody breathing over my shoulder because the things that I Googled were, like, so shameful. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you're breathing under your shoulder. What if you went to a code interview how, and you're, like, you're just Googling random shit? Like, you're on Giphy. You know, like, you're just like, <laughs> what is this guy doing? I mean, <laughs> because that's real life. Yeah. <laughs> I need some inspiration, you know? You're just kind of. Yeah, where's the stressed Giphy? That's what I post right now. So. <laughs> but I was like, string concatenation, Python. <laughs> statement, Python. <laughs> how do you ask Python? Exception <laughs> handling, Python. <laughs> Where is the thing in Python? <laughs> Why is it segfaulting, Python? <laughs> so should we do picks or something? I feel like I have too many things that I could pick. So I always panic when it comes to picks because I, I always feel surprised by them, even though they're a constant <laughs> thing. But this time... Yeah, that was a total like- line. What I said earlier about having too many things to pick, that was not true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at the last minute, like. I know I'm always like, this isn't like good enough. I can think of things. Mine but. are always something ridiculous, like eyeballs or ladybugs or or whatever, not tech related, but just like my brain goes, oh, oh, what's weird? Uh, but today, <laughs> aside from me, uh, today I have an actual pick picked out. Um, so my pick is Penny University, which is kind of a. Uh, a new concept where you have 
peer educators, right? Nobody's the mentor or the mentee. They're all like, I guess, mints. <laughs> Everybody's on the same <laughs> level and you have stuff to contribute. You have stuff to learn. And so it's like a, uh, everybody's on the same playing field. Um, it's, it's actually like really cool. It's a, they've, super they've got cool. this. They just got this little. It's really all it is. Like the the core of the thing is there's this spreadsheet where everybody signed up and there's like here's what I'm interested in learning more about. Or here's, or here's the here's things I that I know. Or... Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just like this menu of people willing to like meet up for lunch or whatever or have coffee or just like talk online about a thing. Well, and we you have can a similar thing like, like that on the NASGS's um, mentoring section, but I don't think anybody ever uses it, so it's kind of woefully out of date. But it has, like, interested in learning, interested in teaching, and yeah. you can pair up and talk. Well, this one's super cool because, you know, you can say what your availability is. And, like, for me, I live in Franklin and I work in Nashville. There's no way that I am going to go back to Franklin and then drive back into town after going all the way there. So, for me, it's like, hey, if you want to meet up over lunch, I am always down for lunch i love me lunch but uh so what are are you going to teach people what am i going to teach people uh so i'm kind of a big nerd when it comes to like uh the theory behind architecture and uh like domain driven design and like the usability of code and uh and micro computing as well i'm a big fan of arduinos and raspberry pis and making them do weird things and sometimes like asinine weird things like they don't have to be useful yeah so so and actually like my pick is is like sort of related to that because through penny university i met this person um who's interested in like computers and music uh, which is like something that I've always, always wanted to like try is like composing using like using a computer program to generate like Me melodies too. and stuff but I suck every time I try. I'm like, it's like <laughs> boink, 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 blah, boink, 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 blah, and that's, it's like awful. It's that, horrible. No, that sounds great to me. That's the new intro. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So my pick is this music library that uh, that I, I got links to called Music Twenty One, and it's um, it's some somebody at MIT created this Python library that it's it's like um, people do this in Python where they have just like the one library that has all the things. So you think of SciPy for science and it can just, it can do things you've never heard of with giant matrices of numbers. Um, This is that for music, right? So it can like with one line of code, you can take like take a melody and you're just like typing in the notes in the melody and it'll just show you the actual musical notation for that. Um, And then it also has a bunch of like musical corpuses built into it like it's got somebody digitized all of box like uh preludes and fugues so it's just got all that kind of built in and you can query this database of music um so it's really designed for like musicology for like people who study music and want to know like understand what was going on in box mind when he wrote these things um i like it's it just sounds awesome and i ha- have not gotten like more than dipped my toe into it at all um, this sounds really neat. <laughs> That's wow. my thing. You have, to, you have to prop open your copy of uh, Eternal Golden Braid while you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my pick is the Lesbians Who Tech Summit. Uh, it's going on at the end of February, and I'm going to fly out there. And um, they have some scholarship. Where is it? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes. It's, uh, it's in San Francisco. It's in the Castro Theater, which is... Um, 
the uh, kind of the center of the LGBT rights movement there. Um, if you get ex- if I get accepted for my scholarship and I end up going, maybe we'll be on the same plane and you can like yeah. hold the paper bag while I hyperventilate. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, it's it's. What do you do with the bag after you barf in it? Oh, I don't barf. I just but, I freak out. But if you did barf, Wait, you just kind of like. What do you need a bag you to freak out with? Oh, like if you're hyperventilating, you put a you know you breathe into a what? paper bag and it Why like. Why though? I mean, I know um, I know that that this oh, thing people do. I know this. Yeah. What is that? Um, when you're breathing in too much air, you're running out of CO2. Um, so like if you're having a panic attack. It can, you know, your your instinct is, oh, I just need to breathe deeper and I need to breathe more. But if you're getting the CO2 out like of balance, oh. that's why they'll say, like, hold your breath for a second, then let out the breath. Because what drives you to breathe is not really actually cool. like a dip in oxygen levels. What drives you to breathe is the rising of your CO2 levels. So you are not necessarily breathing because your oxygen is dipping. So that's what controls like your your drive. I had a kid on oxygen for like six and a half years, so <laughs> <laughs> and I had a panic attack this week. <laughs> um so I'm the, one right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag experts. <laughs> so yeah, the the Lesbians Who Tech Summit. Um it's it's such a great program. I've been going out there since the first one and there's one in New York. I've been to like four out of the six. Um, and it's just, it's, there's nothing like going into a room and, well, y'all might know this actually, going to a room and everyone is like, they're interested in tech and, you know, they understand your life story and they, Right, like I have never walked into a tech event, looked around and gone, wow, there are a ton of people just like me here. And so like, that's a very novel experience that we only get to have if we like seek it out and fly halfway across the world. Yeah, and I will do that every time I can. Like it'll never get old. <laughs> it'll it doesn't, and I want to soak up as much as I can. I I think about it throughout the year. I, you know, I'll imagine myself in that theater, surrounded by all these people, feeling normal, and it's it's so amazing that this space exists, and so. Um, Check out the scholarships, and, you know, if you have any questions out there, let me know. Oh, is it me? You're not getting out of this one. You're last, so yours has to be the best one. (laughs) Say something. Mine's regular expressions. (laughs) (laughs) Get out. Get out. (laughs) Twice. Um, Man, so I've been playing around with Terraform lately, so I think that's going to be my pick. Um, Terraform is really cool. It's um, basically reproducible. Uh, infrastructure so you can basically kind of code how you want your load balancers and your ec2 uh, you know your ec2 instances on amazon or or whatever to kind of spin up and orchestrate their talk to each other it's really cool uh jason myers uh turned me on to it and it's uh it's really kind of rethinking how i want to approach managing and um deploying uh servers and infrastructure so i think hashicorp uh does it so they're the same folks that do vagrant and um packer things like that so check them out cool we did it we did it uh, uh, we did it thanks for listening to nash devcast this has been a production of relationary marketing special shout out to our producer clark buckner and our gracious sponsor strong loop <laughs>